I've had it where the crotch was like so hard. Welcome to the Beat Around the Bench podcast. Podcast about woodworking, good times, and general jackassery. With your hosts, Jess of Jess Building, Colton of Cold Crit, Ross of RNC Woodworking and Design. You can find us all on Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. In this week's episode, we got our freak nasty on in each of our own way. Jess busts it over trees, Colton gets his stank on, Ross achieves perfection on his carpenter's dream. All that and more is coming right up on this episode of Beat Around the Bench Podcast. Now for episode 42, Rush Hour. Gentlemen. Hello. How are you guys doing? I'm doing a bit. I'm doing good. How are you doing, Colton? How you smell? Stretched thin. Well, I mean, I smell good right now, but uh, actually, better than your dog did. <laughs> oh, oh, that's why you're asking. Yeah. Oh man. So yeah, that's I not was a normal. Sitting question. in the shop on. Um, yeah, I was wondering why you asked that, but no, it makes sense now. <laughs> yeah, so I was sitting in the shop. What was it? Was it yesterday? Yeah. Yeah. Last and night. Um, I it was about seven p.m. And all of a sudden, this overwhelming smell of skunk, like very strong, like came in. Like, remember how Mr. Bubs, the duck, snuck into the shop somehow? Like, I was wondering yeah. if a skunk had snuck into the shop. It was so strong, right? And so I go outside and unfortunately get stronger. And I call for Tex, and he doesn't come. And sure enough, I see him in the corner uh, with a skunk. This uh, at this point, the skunk was dead, and uh, we had another skunk <laughs> fiasco on our hands, which happened before. Um, I believe we were recording at that point. Hold on a second, wait, time it. out a second. Wait a second, you're telling me your dog tore up a skunk around 7 30 at night, and you texted us at 12 40 in the morning. 40- in the morning, one one forty yeah, in the well, morning. Here, my wife's very happy yeah. with you. That was oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh shoot! I hope I didn't wake you guys up, but yeah. Well, no, I didn't wake me up. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so Crystal was working late. I was not going to do a selfie with the skunk. You know, I was trying to be a lot smarter about managing the smell and the oils. Right, like uh, I wore as soon as I recognized the skunk stuff was happening. I went and put on my big rubber boots and I got gloves on and. Uh, a t-shirt I don't mind throwing away, right? And you and epoxy it into a table. <laughs> yeah. That would be amazing. <laughs> that would be amazing. But Le Pepe Le Pew epoxy table. Oh, man. Yeah, it was a nasty little skunk, but luckily it didn't look rabid or anything. Um, but it, it, I guess it was – I don't know how big skunks really get, like a mid-sized one. I mean, they can though. get – they can they get, can get pretty big, I think. Yeah, like thirty pounds is like a big skunk. Okay, this one was maybe ten, maybe ten. Okay, uh, it, it was fat. I, I wonder if it was pregnant, maybe a smaller breed of skunk. But um, but yeah, so managed to smell a lot better. Uh, I didn't get it on me much at all, and was I, we have some of this uh, oh de-skunk, de-skunked, whatever shampoo, and I was able to get it on text really quick. Um, yeah, a little nugget. When it comes to skunk stuff, time is everything. Like as soon as you mm-hmm. can get them bathed, it's which I've I've also heard about uh, water being bad. Like just adding water like increases the smell. 
right? I, I know, especially like yeah, after because oil and water made. doesn't mix. Right. Yeah, and so I've heard about water spreading it. So I actually took the shampoo and I uh, lathered them up before adding any water, which it was already kind of rainy. But yeah, then we bathed them. But then today we took him to the groomer and he came back smelling really good. Um, around his face, he still has a little bit of stench. But yeah, he's also in a cone right now. Okay. It's probably because he ate uh, some of it. Is he got some stuck in his teeth, maybe? Yeah. I I don't know. That's a pleasant thought. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully not. I I did get a little bit of shampoo in his mouth at one point, but but yeah, no, he he's 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 recovering (laughs) and um I'm sure he'll do it again, defender of the house, you know. But but yeah, he can't he can't resist it. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> very good so Jess what's going on in your world sir oh a million things uh, several projects uh, some stuff on the website we got done and uh, I built I put shelves in a boat I was just telling Ross I put some shelves in a boat today I gotta go back tomorrow and kind of finish it up it's a rounded cabinet though so it's a little tricky what kind of boat yeah uh, it is a like 75, 80 foot catamaran. These people oh. sail the world. And, like like um, a big cabin underneath? Uh, you know, <laughs> they got a lot of stuff. I don't think they're going to listen to this podcast, but they got a lot of stuff. I mean, a lot of stuff. Way too much stuff to be living on that boat. I would be living pretty simply, but they they have a lot of worldly possessions on that boat. and And as it would be, because, you know... When he gets to dock, like he may have to do repairs, so he has tools and they have like all that stuff. So, um, but uh, interestingly enough, boat, I, I got some oh, of it well, done. He's like, "This is no, it's a it's a big expensive boat. It's a sailboat, of course, and um, it has two floors in it. So, like you walk, you walk up the catamaran up the back, and then there's like a small deck." And where he steers and there's like the thing where you go up with the jib and all that. And then you walk down into the cabin and there's like a little kitchen and like all his like controls and stuff and like a table, a dinner table. And then on either side, on your left and your right, immediately there's a little staircase that goes down to the second floor where like there's like the living quarters and all. And, uh, you know, it's neat. It's neat. He was doing some fiberglass work today and and all that, but. It's yeah, neat, we had man. looked at getting like a sailboat so much. before. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, well, he 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 liked. I guess they liked me, and and they had this old chest of drawers and down that was kind of like built into the boat as well, mm-hmm. or maybe they bought it. I, I don't quite understand what they were telling me today, but it's falling apart. They hate it, so they want to build something new. And I'm like, so I, he's got so much work to do on that boat. They were acting like they were going to leave in two or three weeks. So I don't know. I might wind up doing it, but I've got other stuff to do now. But that house that the my boss bought, he's about ready for kitchen cabinets. So we got to do that. It's pretty big. And then um, some little things here and there, some little stuff. So hopefully we stay busy. We stay very busy. Um, you know, we we talked about. I think we're trying to promote more now the the get me cabinet side because that's a bigger dollar amount at a time and mm-hmm. less uh, less labor and upfront cost for us and you know more beneficial to the customer and stuff like that. 
But, we're, you know, we do whatever. It's not like I'm turning down anything. But I think we're going to lower some of the prices on, like, the cabinets and things like that when we bid. And, uh, yeah, I bid another one for JC's house. So we'll see if we get that. Cool. And uh, and so on and so forth. So this is the one big thing I want to tell you. So, yes, the sanders have been working amazing. And we sanded all those tops down, no problems. And um, so the color was an issue. Did we talk about this yet? I don't think we've talked about this. So there's existing tables there. Okay. They they like the color-ish, and they wanted it to be something like that. Well, they called it stain. It's not stain. Whoever did those other tables, it looks terrible. The grain is super, super raised. And you can't even see the grain through it. So wait, is this the outdoor of, table? No, no, this is uh, this is some conference tables. These people I've been talking to for almost a year. It's uh, Ion Labs. They're a, a company that makes supplements. Okay, in, uh, about ten miles from us. So it's not stained. If I sent you a picture of it, you're like somebody painted that table. Is what it looks like. But the grain's like extremely raised on it. But they've got so much clear coat on it, it's usable, right? So he said, we want it to be this color. And I'm like, okay. Um, Well, it's not oil-based stain because you can't put oil-based stain on that thick. So I said, what color is it? And he goes, heavy gray, heavy gray, heavy gray, heavy gray. That's what he said over and over. And I'm like, dude, there's no such color as heavy gray. I mean, like maybe there is, but it's not anything like normal. And these guys no. made this stuff from Red Oak from Home Depot that was three quarters thick. That's why he wanted me to do it because he wanted it thicker, right? Mm-hmm. And it's all their tables are all bowed and stuff. So, long story short, too late. They they found a little bottle of the stain that they used taped underneath the table. Okay. And so I got that and I put it on a piece of Red Oak, and he said it's this color, and I thought it was this color. And I went to the store and got it. Nothing was right. We got kind of <laughs> close with a factory color, but nothing was right. So to me, it's a water-based stain because it's so dark. So I okay. took – this girl made us some stuff in the morning. It's mid, I went to Lowe's, and they had Minwax, water-based stain, not uh, the solid color stain, not mm-hmm. semi-transparent, right? And <clears throat> she – uh, made something that she thought was right and it wasn't right. And I said, can you just color match this little spot? Like I put that stuff from the bottle right here on this. This is what I want. So she mm-hmm. color matched it and I was like, that is not it. And it's like, it's too light. So I'm sitting there hemming and hawing and thinking, she's like, you don't have to pay for it if you don't you don't want it. So I'm thinking. And then so she takes the can back. She's like, let me see it. So she does something with it. And then she mixes it up, shakes it up, puts it on there. And it did, it was exactly the perfect color. Exactly the perfect color. So hallelujah. Oh, I love that. Oh, I said, baby, I could I could kiss you right now. This is exactly what I needed. So <laughs> I took I, I I had to make two cans of it. Off I went. And on the water-based stain, it says to use a minwax water-based pre-stain. Mm-hmm. And have you ever used it? I have. I've used yep. pre-stain on oil-based, but I've never used a water-based pre-stain. Yeah. And to me, and anybody else that uses it that knows, that's watered down clear coat. I mean, it has to be watered down clear coat. It smells like polycrylic. Well, it's it white like polycrylic. Though. 
Yeah, it's got something else, right? Like something yeah, that keeps it, it from uh, raising the grain so much. Yeah, like uh, for mine. So I, I did the General Finishes brand, and uh, like I, I kept all of it the same brand. Which I even had an extender that uh, was just like a liquid that I poured into the the stain itself, the water base. Mm-hmm. But um, it it like you got to do it within twenty minutes, or like, but not sooner than ten minutes or something like that. And because uh, it needs so to then, sink in a little bit, but it'll evaporate out. So I don't, I have no idea so, what it is. So this stuff, the pre-stain, if you read the directions, so we put it on and just like covered it in it, and it like soaked right in, right? And it looked like what clear coat, but like watered down, and it like soaked in. We let it dry. I came back the next day actually on some of it, sanded it by hand, very very lightly. No, actually we used electric sanders with two twenty or two forty, right? And felt pretty good. We put the water-based stain on it. Didn't raise the grain. Didn't raise the grain. I couldn't believe it. Now, water-based stain sucks because it's basically just paint, especially solid color. So, mm-hmm. like, cleaning it off, it's, like, sticky. And in the future, if I ever have to use solid color stain again, I'll probably mix a little water with it and then spray it. You know what I mean? And not even hmm. wipe it. But I also found – so. I've been hearing Colton talk about his little Wagner. He's got a smaller one, right? Like a handheld. Um, well, it has like its own pump. Like uh, it's not the smallest. It, it was like maybe three hundred bucks, I think. Um, it's got like its own pump. Is it the one thirty? I, I don't. I don't know numbers on it. I don't know, honestly. We we got so it to paint our house, I, and then I started using it for the polycrylic. I wanted an airless. And so they had a Wagner, and I don't know if it's new or not, but it's got a little hopper. Yeah. Just like, just like a, a, a what's the other one? Gray, Grayco? Like, but it's just small, and it'll hold a quart of paint if you want it to hold a quart of paint. Yeah. And you pour it in there, you put the lid on it, and it's got a regular handle, and then they make like five or six different tips, and it's the greatest thing I've ever bought in my life. I sprayed so those tabletops. It's, it's not just the tips? It's a whole it's gun? A, it's a whole gun, and you can get more than one tip, actually. Ooh. They have bigger tips and smaller tips, wider tips, tips with bigger right. bigger holes in them. <laughs> so ah. uh, we got uh. the smallest tip for the clear coat, and it just – I mean, I, we spray the tops in minutes, minutes, and no overspray, no dusting like the other stupid gun does. Nice. Uh, it was 230 bucks, I think. Okay. It's, a, it's oh, like the Wagner – but if you look at it, the parts, like when you buy the tips, they're made by Titan paint products. Hmm. So Titan's making stuff for Wagner and, you know, it's it's pretty good. So, I mean, maybe it'll break. I don't know. I got the warranty on it for three years. I'll get my $230 out of it in three years for sure. Oh, yeah. So it just, it just, when you spray with air, like a siphon cup gun or whatever, that air just changes. It just changes everything. It just changes it the paint and how fast it dries. It dusts. It creates overlaps. You know, you can't, you have this hard time of like getting just enough. And you got to mix water in it and all that other stuff. This, you don't have to do nothing. I just pour it in the thing. It's harder to clean, but I, I can, it was amazing. We had those tops cleared in minutes and then we have to wait for it to dry. Quick question for you guys about cleaning uh, spray guns. I have... I had gotten a set off of Amazon a while ago that was three HVLP guns and they've worked really well, but it was probably three months in between both times when I used it last to the, or prior to then the last time I used it. 
And the gun I normally use, because I try and have one just for finishes and one for paints and stains and then one just for lacquer. And the one that I have for uh, finishes, for whatever reason, was like dripping continuously. Do you Mm. guys have a product that you recommend for cleaning, like getting some of the residue and gunk off of a gun? Yes. The HVLP guns? What do you recommend? Which, what kind of, what are you trying to clean off of it? Uh, The majority of what I'm doing is either uh, polys of varying degrees, some water, some oil. Um, Paint isn't as bad because usually I just use lacquer paints um, or uh, water-based paints. So those aren't as much of an issue. Water-based paint, lacquer thinner will take it off if you let it sit for a little bit. Like you can okay. take your gun apart and set the parts in a cup yeah. and pour lacquer thinner over it. We do that, and then it just it just comes right off. Um, okay. And then if it's oil based, you need to put it in mineral spirits and just let it soak. Because I've heard thing. of a product Acetone? called. There's a product called the Naked Gun. Oh yeah, and uh, it's made for stripping all the stuff off of a spray gun. But I didn't know if any if you guys had ever used it's it. It's probably xylene. And some other things mixed in with it. I used to play one of those in percussion ensemble. A xylene or a marimba. Oh, okay. (laughs) Uh, Xylene will take off anything. Xylene will take off silicone. Xylene is, but you can't get it on your hands. But you could try xylene if you could soak the parts in that. The problem with some of that stuff is it'll eat the gaskets in your gun, Mm. you know? So you really have to take it apart. That's how it works. And then get those. And then most of the O-rings and all that stuff that are in those guns. You got to replace um, every now and then. Well, yeah, but you can get them anywhere. You can buy a pack of O-rings. Usually there's a normal size. The only one that I've ever found is, you know how there's like the, the pin that goes all the way through the handle. Yeah. Right. And it's right there in the back of the head. There's mm-hmm. a little gasket, like a hard foam, ultra hard foam gasket that goes around that. And there's a little nut. That That's where I was out. having, that was where I was having yeah. the issues where it just was Maybe continually can, dripping. Maybe you can tighten it, uh. but you, like our old guns were, it was a white, like little foam. It was an odd material. It wasn't hmm. plastic, but it wasn't foam. It was like just an ultra hard foam and it had a tiny little hole and that slid through there. And then when you tighten that nut, it kind of compressed it around the pin. But if okay. you tighten it too tight, it wouldn't let the pin slide. So you had to like get it just right. Mm-hmm. So maybe they make a rebuild kit for your gun. Maybe. I mean, yeah. if it, yeah. it's probably low cost enough because I think I paid 120 bucks for a set of three guns with the hoppers and everything with it. It's probably, if anything, time to just get a new set. But Get the Wagner, baby. Get the Wagner. I'm so telling I you. Ha- I have a Wagner one, and I don't like it. But You'd like this one because it's uh, – here, I'll give you the number. You can look at it. You okay. can always try it, and if you don't like it, wash it out and take it back. Uh, okay. It is Dude, I, I always Wagner. say I'm going to do that, but then I never take it back. <laughs> and then I just have oh, no. I mean, but, I, uh, have, I have used it. I haven't used it on paint yet, but if you buy the right tip, I think you'll be – it actually um, – here, I'll tell you what it's called. Hey, so while, while you're looking that up, Ross, so I, I, I don't soak. I've experimented with soaking uh, my gun, which I'm running just polycrylic through it, right? And, I mean, varying okay. degrees of finishes, but it's all just the polycrylic. And, but I, I have a routine, like every time I'm about to pour or about to spray, I, uh, I just pull the cap off, uh, run a toothpick 
uh, through all the right spots, make sure it's all cleared out, kind of peel mm-hmm. off all the extras, uh, clean the threads, and then screw it back on in a spray. And then um, I'll, I'll leave it like My that cup- after. Like um, I, I don't do any cleanup after I spray. I only do it like right right before just to make sure the nozzle's clear. But okay. I'm thinking oil-based polyurethane might be a little stronger, though. Like um, that might be a little little different once it cures. Like uh, so hard to get out. if you want to look it up, Ross, okay. while we're sitting here, it's called the Wagner Control Pro 130 High Efficiency. Oh, this is the other thing. So it totes or boasts 50% less like overspray and loss. Um, it's true. It like didn't, I didn't have any like mist in the air. It didn't What's put it called? It to, uh, Control Pro 130 High Efficiency Airless Power Tank Paint and Stain Sprayer. Oh, yeah. That looks much different than what I have. Yes. Yes. I, and, I have the one, I have the QX2 and it's just a corded electric thing and it's, it's garbage. I'm not a fan of it. Yeah. Yeah, no, this is just like a, a Graco kind of deal or a Titan. So I okay. would try it. The thing is, is that with like the other ones, you have to have so much paint. Like there's so much yeah. paint. There'll be like a quart, two quarts just in the line before you even get any paint to come out. So I, I yeah. just wanted something that would spray a little bit. So you can't get the tips at Home Depot. You have to go to Amazon and they're like 25 bucks a piece. But there's like a 211, a 311, a 213, a 313. And then they've got all the way up to like a six for spraying really thick paint. Um, wow. But I'm, I love it. I absolutely cool. love it. Yeah. Very nice. So, Colton, so what's your... going on in your shop, man? Actually, important question. You promised us by this episode you would have a hard set number on what the count was at. Yeah. Um, so right now it's at eight, but three of those, definitely two, but maybe three are getting done this week. I was kind of doing all the process at the same time on these. So, uh, so wait a be, second. Could be five soon. At, at, but at, at that rate, by the second week in February, you should be totally done with all these boards. That would be slick. That would be slick, um, which I am taking a week off next week. Uh, going to Belize with uh, Crystal's family, and uh, so that's a time boost. Okay, so before Workbench but, Con. So before Workbench Con. Yeah. It'll be like a fresh start. It'll be like a fresh start. You're going to be burning stuff and epoxy and everything in the building. There'll be you skunks know, I, in, in epoxy and <laughs> and ducks and everything else. No, everything I, I hesitate else. to put a hard date on anything now. Just no, Colton. I, I, I know no, you need, need to put a hard date and, on it, just a reasonable one. Yeah. But, Before um, you leave for Workbench Con, you will be done with these eight sets of boards. Hell yeah. No, I, I like it. Uh, that's that would be that would just we feel are so good. five weeks so good. away from workbench guy from you just be slate. one of those guys that just is content creation it, and man. build stuff and sells oh. it on facebook and you'd be amazing oh, yeah man. yeah but uh i did have some it's gonna feel so good uh, i can't wait man but i had some interesting uh, electronic stuff this week with the boards like something's never okay. happened before. Luckily, as a local customer, 
But um, oh, was this the a, guy that he was? He was having an issue with like the the control switch or something. The guy who yeah. brought it back. Yep, yep. And so, um, so he's bought two sets, and so it's four boards. And I took three of the boards back with me, and it's totally odd. I can't figure out what's going on. Like so, the battery cell itself, which it's like a three thousand mm-hmm. milliamp battery. You know, it's got a, a USB A or USB C port. And then um, like a 12-volt port on it as well. And uh, like there's 30 batteries. They're not cheap. And all three of the batteries went out. And then also the controllers were fried too. And he's taking good care of his stuff. I don't think it's water damage. Um, I pulled apart one of the controllers and like looked at the board. And there wasn't anything like fried in it. I I don't know what happened. I'm wondering... If he had like three of them plugged in and maybe like a power surge or something, um, yeah, yeah, it's probably and what happened. That just sounds exactly something like along that. those lines. Um, but but yeah, so for the first board, I was trying to like figure it out, and I, I ripped part of the um, oh the the strip, the LED strip, and so I had to completely gut the board. And luckily, we're building them now where we can replace the LEDs. And without having like destruct the too much destruct the board, but um, I had to pull the back panel off, and uh, I did experiment with doing a hinge on the back panel because you know LEDs will eventually go out, especially with these being outdoor uh, board games. And yeah. so I did experiment with the hinge on there um, so that potentially the customer could even replace the LEDs down the road, and it, it worked That's out. That's a better well. idea. I don't think I'm going to be doing it going forward just yet because I'm not trying to add more work on the plate, uh, you know, mm-hmm. but it, it was neat. Um, it was a cool experiment. But then the other ones uh, just today, I was able to cut the controller off like on the wire and I had some older uh, controllers. I was able just to splice in with the wires, just pull them apart and it worked and it's going to save me so much time and I'm ecstatic. And he is too. He, he's having a big function at his place this weekend. So, um, just in time, but yeah, That's awesome, also man. in the shop this week, um, I had a really heartfelt project. So, you know, I've done some memorial was it, stuff. Was it these eight boards? <laughs> no, no, those are heartfelt in a different way, <laughs> but no, this mm. was, um, it was, uh, it was a guy, we went to college together, right? And his dad mm-hmm. suddenly passed and I made him a cross that uh, it's on my Instagram. I've done a handful of them before, but it has like a cool design on it. I did uh, that Sipo mahogany and uh, in the middle, you know, we put his uh, initials and then like father, uh, grandfather, something, man of God, like, that's what we like. I mm-hmm. just did all in the CNC. And, um, those always like, whenever you're working on something like that special, like, you know, this family is going to have it forever, right? Like it's not something yeah. sell at a garage sale, you know, and potentially hanging on a wall or something. And, um, like whenever you're going for that extra little sanding bit, you're like, am I overdoing this? Am I overthinking this? Like you always do the extra, you know, when it comes time for these. Yeah. But, but yeah, this one was a little hard. I, I definitely called Burl after that, my dad, and um, nice. Told told him I appreciate him and stuff. But 
But yeah, that one, that was, um, it puts things in perspective too, you know, like I'm getting all stressed out with these, uh, yard games. Right. And, uh, yeah, it just made me really thankful, you know, it was, it was good reflection while working good. on that project, but glad to hear it, man. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, I think that was about it. Um, uh, I, I do, I do have a you question got, you, on stuff. So what's that? You know, whenever you see like a, especially with like a finish or like a tabletop epoxy where it says self-leveling. Um, yes. What? I, the, so I think it might be a little bit more complicated, but I'm like, it's a liquid. How is it not going to self-level? Is it saying it's like, it's just not too thick to where it's not going to self-level? Correct. I mean, it's just saying it's thin enough to, to flatten how, out. How, well, it's even self-leveling stuff doesn't really self-level, but it tends to not set up too fast. Like it sets up slow, like self-leveling floor stuff sets up really slow, but you have to bondo the thing. The same thing with epoxy, like they make thick epoxy, but it doesn't really self. It could have like humps in it. You know what I mean? Like a, a hump, my hump, my hump. Yeah. I love it. But so, I mean, most like, epoxy, I mean, when you hit it with a heat gun, it just dissipates anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, I I always thought that was silly. I was like, it's a liquid, right? I mean, like technically this whiskey I got right here is self-leveling. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> I mean, but. You know what else is? Water. True. Yeah. Yeah. True. You can, if you, if you are ever building anywhere near um, a, a beach, if you're ever in need of trying to figure out if your product is level that you're making. Just yes. look at the horizon because it's That's always right. going to be level. That's right. Uh, That's right. That's right. Yep. What if there's a mountain? Well, don't look at the mountain. That's not level. <laughs> uh, uh, so I think it's time for us to tell something. Are we not telling? Oh, this, wait, wait, Ross? we got to see what Ross has got going on, man. And that's what I'm talking about. Well, uh, the email. I mean, you, if you don't want to talk about it, don't don't talk about it, but. Uh, well, the, the paperwork has been signed, but um, you know what? We're going to talk about it because it'll be fully put in before uh, this drops. So uh, right. the, the big announcement is that uh, I am going to be at WorkbenchCon, which everybody assumed, but uh, Old Elk Distillery, my day job, is going no. to also be at WorkbenchCon, and we no are going way. to be sponsoring the Mixer event on Friday night. And so uh, we are going to do some whiskey tasting at WorkbenchCon. We are going to have a booth there <laughs> oh, where yeah, people baby. can come. And <laughs> Woo! we're working on a few behind-the-scene things at the moment, but uh, some big things are coming down the pipeline. So uh, there will be a multifaceted presence of Ross at WorkbenchCon, you're gonna oh, get boy. you're gonna get like business day Ross. You're gonna get obviously your your RNC Ross, and then you're gonna get beat around the bench Ross. So it's like a trifecta. Multiple personalities. I know. I love. Yeah. Them. So, dude, that I am so stoked thing. for that. Oh man. Yeah. We we gotta slap some BATV stickers on some bottles too, maybe. Might sneak oh, we'll there. figure something out. <laughs> yeah, tell them, uh, tell so, them they need. Dude, that is, that tell is, them your old elk people like 
they, What's up, Jess? Gotta, tell your old elk people they've got to make me um, some, uh, what do they call them? Um, uh, mocktails. Ah. Yeah. yeah. We, we don't do that. We, the only thing we make that is non-alcoholic is the water in our faucets. <laughs> um, so we'll have to figure that part out, but I'm, I'm sure we could. Okay. So, yeah, but overall, yes, we will have a presence there. And so after going last year and seeing the immense response that people had when they found out who I worked for as my day job and how excited everybody got about whiskey, I was like, why don't we just bring, bring the whiskey to them? So it's going to be big. So I'm excited about that. So was, that's was part that of what I've been to get past? Was that hard to get past? Did you have to um, work on pretty it good? Took a little bit of, it, it took a little bit of, of, well, I mean, it's more so the logistics as well as uh, some of the cost because uh, I'm not saying that it's it's not worth it because it 100% is. But the hotel that WorkbenchCon is hosted in does like to make sure that they are getting their cut on every aspect of stuff going mm. on. So, um, but that's how they run a business. So I get that. Uh, but anyway, so in other I news, a lot of people will be drinking old elk after that. That is, that is the goal. So that is, the, is that is already accomplished. I'm telling you right now, because yeah. a lot of people would never have paid for it. Right. They Correct. just buy the same stuff. Now yep. they're going to try real good stuff and they're going to be like, Oh my God, this is going to change my life. Yeah. So that's, it, well, like, that's also everyone there is videoing too, like content. Like that, that's correct, that, sir. Correct. That is sir. a huge selling point. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So, so, uh, I, I, I still have that, uh, the old elk, just the, the rye, I think. Um, well, the, the last latest one you sent me and but mm-hmm. I still have like the, that deer head on it, right? The gold. Like, yeah. Uh, the elk head pour spout. The spout. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, the one that looks like it's like like every time you pour it out, <laughs> throwing up. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah I, I don't want to finish the bottle because uh, it's got that nice topper on it. But I think oh, yeah, that old elk rye is going to be a, a one that stays on the shelf. It's going to be a staple. Love that, love that. Uh, so yeah, that's part of what I've been working on. And uh, on the woodworking side, I have been doing quite a bit of stuff when I have been home. Uh, I, I've been working on that elm slab table and I got everything, uh, sanded now up to 300 grit. And essentially when I get back home, I'm going to start working on, well, I'm, I'm in all honesty, waiting for the legs to come in the, the correct base. I had to ship the original one back to Poland and they're making the one that, that I needed, but, uh, it just takes time. So waiting for that to come in, but I'm at the point now where I'm getting close to getting ready to finish it, but I don't want to do that obviously until, um, until I have the base all carved out. So that's part of it, but I do want to say, and this is something I'm going to touch on later in the, uh, the nugget portion of the, uh, the discussion, but I was able to completely, uh, take out any, uh, warping and twisting via utilizing C channel. And we'll discuss that a little later. I'll tell you how I did it, but um, yeah. So good things are coming. I got a couple cabinets I got to work on or 
built-ins that people want. And uh, I got projects coming out the yin-yang at the moment. So once I get back in the shop, I think I have three weeks straight in the shop. So I'm hoping to pound some stuff out oh, and then go. little travel and then workbench count is here. So yeah. I know. Very good. Dude, yeah, so, yeah. I feel like every year from like the end of January till April is just a blur every year, man. And, yeah. Um, which, uh, I mean, you know, Houston rodeo is the whole month of March and we're it is. pretty involved with that. And that's yeah. why you're on yeah, the road I, I right now. Get... <laughs> exactly. Man, I can't wait for you all to come in for rodeo. It, it'll happen. Yes, it shall. So uh, I meant yes, to ask you, so on that table, um, did you have a problem with, uh, so you, you over poured like your last coat of epoxy, right? And, uh, did, like, no, the whole so the, thing? no, no. So the issue was that the, the initial, uh, cut, cause this is two slabs that, that are book matched now. And there was one section of it that basically was part of like a crotch wood that when you open it up, kind of looks like a butterfly. Now that's awesome. <laughs> And the customer was dead set on saving that one section of the table and making it a focal point. But the issue was whenever they did the, uh, uh, the milling of it, they actually cut it and there was a little bit of a dip in the blade. So on mm. one side, it was like three quarters of an inch too high. And on the other side, the matching side, it was three quarters of an inch too tall or too low. So it ended up being almost an inch and a half variance from one side to the other. Wow. So I had oh, to wow. take down the high side as much as possible, but I still had to bring the other side up without making the rest of the table cut down to that three quarter inch depth. Super thin. Yeah. So I ended up actually talking to the customer and saying, listen, if we're going to salvage this, the only way I can do it is to try and basically put a float of epoxy and float it and then feather that into the rest of the table. So mm -hmm. that's why I had to do the epoxy dam and I used uh caulk cause that's just what I had available. But that's what um, she said. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, oh God. So yeah. Oh, uh, here we go. Hey, so um, on that, like that, you said like the, you call it crotch wood or like the butterfly part. Yeah. So did you notice that, or I, I'm wondering if it does it with maple. Like, so whenever I was doing parts like that on that Cypress table, those, those parts would soak up a lot of resin, right? Like, um, which I was, yeah, when I was doing like the tabletop, uh, epoxy, like it would absorb a lot of it into it. And I would have to like repour those spots extra. Yeah. So when I did, uh, cause I had initially poured some black epoxy into the cracks and crevices where this, this crotch wood was that took three pours to be able to get that totally situated. Then I put everything through the planer, took off as much excess as possible. And then I actually came back with my heat gun in the scraper, took the rest of the excess off. I don't know why anybody doesn't do that, but that's my fun tip again. Um, but, uh, then I came back and once I did the float of clear epoxy on top, because I had all the other epoxy set in, it didn't soak up nearly as much as I had expected. So, yeah. All right. I've had it where the crotch was like so hard. That's that, what she said. Yeah. It was so hard that I had, I, it was killing router bits. Like ah. I couldn't get through it. Like I was taking off less than a 16th and yep. I had one of the most expensive, like carbide tipped 
like the ones that has the knives, like your planer. Yeah. Like I had a, like a three and a half horse and it was just, uh, it was just burning and everything. Yep. So I've had it, I've had it also where it's spongy, like you're talking about Colton, where it just soaks up everything. Yeah. I, I wonder if the, maybe that's like a sunken, <laughs> Yeah, they might, are. maybe with it being sunken, but I don't know. You'd think that that would like more like <laughs> crystallize it, you know, but yeah. Oh, um, uh, side note, I, I got a, uh, uh, so Burl has had this piece of Burl wood, right? Like, um, I it's think Burl's it's Burl. tree, but it's yeah, it's, it's about, yeah, it may be 18 inches diameter. Right. And, uh, whenever we went He's out, a gifted man. <laughs> That's good for Burl. <laughs> yeah. We call him tuna can. Good for your it's mom. wider than it's long, oh. but <laughs> oh, God. Right. no, uh, we, uh, I, we were like, we, he'd been saving this, and I was like, man, if we just keep wait, if we keep waiting on this, it's just gonna rot, right? And yeah. so we finally took a chainsaw to it, and uh, I cut one really big chunk, and um, maybe like five inches deep, right? So like five by eighteen circle. Uh, I, I wanted to leave extra just in case we wanted to have one really good piece, and then we cut some other coins of it. But um, I think I want to make uh, out of some of the smaller coins like a clock. Like uh, do like a resin infill, like inlay. Yeah, and um, that's cool. Yeah, do some sort of like clock or something for him. But that is uh, on the fun project list. Which um, there you hopefully go. Hopefully after WorkbenchCon, we're working on that fun. After WorkbenchCon, so, that's right, yeah. baby. That's right. Okay. Yep. So, but uh, I'll I send you guys is, some pictures. Yeah. Love it. I think it is high time that we get into some jackassery. Okay, Ooh, Jess. What what do you feel like uh, doing? Let's ask Jess. Uh, I've I've got I've got. Uh, let's do the wood of the week. It's an interesting wood this week, as it always is. But this wow. one. Wow. 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 Wood of the week. Wow. This week's wood of the week is pistachio. Ooh, those are delicious. Yes, they are delicious. But what you don't know, and most people that I've ever talked to don't know, is that pistachio is gorgeous. It really? is really? absolutely breathtaking. So if you if you want to go guys want to Google it or whatever while we're talking, pistachio has like a I would say it's almost kind of like a little bit of a walnutty look. Maybe a little bit of a, I don't know. It's kind of hard to explain. A little bit of a walnutty look, but with like a green tint to it. But hmm. the interesting thing with pistachio is it can almost be like um, zebra wood. Like it can be really wild looking, um, depending on the rings and stuff like that. And the end grain is absolutely beautiful. Um, if you look, some people have made some stuff out of pistachio and it can be like a whole rainbow of colors all the way from green to bright red to brown. Um, it's gorgeous. It's absolutely gorgeous. And I guess, I mean, people build stuff with pistachio. It's highly figured. So they, I found people selling, um, guitar blanks and stuff out of pistachio. Where is, where do pistachios grow natively? They grow, they grow in the, they grow in the U S they grow all over. Um, well, the thing that I was thinking about is like, why, why isn't that I haven't like heard of it? 
I guess. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, I guess you don't think of all trees as being something uh, that you – I mean, it's native to Iran, but it's also the Mediterranean, Middle East regions, California. The Janka hardness is anywhere I've read from like 1100 to 1900. So it's actually pretty hard. Yeah. Right? It's actually a, a pretty decent wood to work with. Um, so I guess my thought was, why haven't I heard of pistachio? And then I was like, okay, well, maybe it's because the only time anybody really like cuts down a pistachio, unless it's growing in the wild, is if like it's not producing yeah, pistachio so fruit, fruit anymore. Right. Yeah. It's like not doing its thing. So I did a little research on this. So a pistachio tree starts making starts making um, like full – like between 7 to 10 years, it starts producing pistachio nuts. At okay. 20 years is when it's full on as many pistachios as it's ever going to make. And one tree, an annual yield, will only be about 30 to 50 pounds of in-shell pistachios. So if you figure the average is 40 pounds – that and the and like April of 2023, the price was around 250 to three dollars. So that so figure two dollars and seventy five cents. So in one year, it's only made one hundred ten dollars, and in, and they live to be a hundred years old, right? And then they usually stop producing pistachios after a hundred years. So that you means it has eighty years, eighty years. Yeah. It only made eighty eight hundred dollars worth of pistachios. Right, not to mention all the watering and all the picking. No, up. So I don't no, know that how can't, that can't be right. I've looked it up on several different places. It says the same thing, but, but that's it, just but the farmer, on, right? It's each year it only does one yield, thirty to forty, thirty to forty pounds. That's correct. Okay, so forty pounds is the estimate, and you said Times it was two dollars like, and seventy five cents a pound. That's one hundred and ten dollars. God, that's awful. S- yeah, it is yeah. awful. So, no, not so cheap, most right? of the, I mean, well, I mean, I guess you know it kind of does. You don't have to. You also have it to remember. Much. You also have to remember the two seventy five is retail. That's the they farmer, probably, right? Like, yeah, you're paying a lot more than that when you get when you buy pistachios. Matter of fact, pistachios and cashews are about the most. Ex- them and uh, macadamia is about the macadamia is for sure. Yeah, but uh, pistachios aren't cheap, you know. I mean, it's yeah. So, do they grow bag, like a cluster? 10, Does it look like a, like a cluster of grapes? I know grapes you know, is a vine. That but. I that I did not look at. I do not think so. I think it's just random, and I think they hook them up to these vibrators, and it shakes them out. A yeah, lot, like oh, a, lot, a lot of different nuts like that. So I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. The most of yeah. the time when you get pistachio wood, it's from trees that are over a hundred years old and it's time, you know, they're, they've done producing fruit. They need to clear them out to plant more or whatever, or orchards companies that have gone out of business and they cut them all down and they make how, them. how wide do some of the trees get? Cause so I know, this, for instance, I, I met a gentleman, thing, yeah. I met a gentleman at WorkbenchCon uh, who was originally, well, he's, he was in from Israel and he lives on an apricot grove and he turns bowls out of apricot wood which I had never heard of really other than knowing what apricots are. But essentially he said it only gets to about six inches wide, but the figuring in the wood was astounding. Right. So he was like, I can only really make small things out of it, but it makes some beautiful lumber when you have it. 
Uh, it's about the same, 20 to 30 uh, foot tall and about six to 12 inches. That's okay. probably why you don't get a lot of stuff out of pistachio, right? Probably why. Yep. Pen blanks. Yeah. Like you look up pistachio slab. It's like these little things. Like every, <laughs> I wonder though if, like, I wonder if they could <laughs> shave it down. I wonder if they could shave it down to make veneers and you do know, that more so. You know, and that's one thing I don't know about. I, I would love to know more about like what makes something veneer worthy or not, you know, where they can roll cut it. Yeah. And I don't know if the grain allows it. I, I'm pretty I sure say, it's well, open grain. With it being such a crazy grain, like uh, on a veneer, would that still hold that kind of grain color or would it just be like a, like a splotch pattern, like a tie dye almost? I don't know. Uh, it it depends wonder. on, it's just like, it's just like on poplar, you know, sometimes you see poplar and it's like white. And then sometimes mm-hmm. you see it and it's green and sometimes yeah. there's even like black and pink in it, like rainbow mm-hmm. poplar. It just depends on what the uh, soil was like or it grew. Okay. So gotcha. I think it's kind of the same thing with pistachio. So anyway, I'm glad that you, you said go. it has some green in it because uh, that's the first thing that came to mind. You know, it was like, a, it I was like oh, is it like I was picturing like a poplar, like a really green poplar. And um, yeah, yeah, I tried to see if there's anything famous made from pistachio. I think the biggest thing that people make it, they make uh, guitars. Hi. Oh, guitars. Uh, well, yeah. Pistachio ice cream. I don't like pistachio ice cream. My son loves it. I think it's disgusting. Yeah. But anyway. Hmm. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's it. Pistachio. Cool. All right. So what are the week for you guys? Do you happen to have some trivia based on nuts? Oh. I, uh, so I have wood trivia nice, today man. based on – we skipped one, right? We did. So we just skipped one. So it can either be I got a wood trivia that's pretty hard. There's a couple easy ones in there on dark woods because it was for. I remember. We're back back to that again. Okay. <laughs> uh, or I have wood we're trivia. We're going to have to censor you, Jess. <laughs> on fruit woods. Let's do week. the fruit wood jing, uh, one. God, we're going to do dark woods. Oh, fruit woods. Yes, right. just, we'll, we'll do it for a different occasion. Okay. All right. Better get on out that knowledge because it's trivia time. All right. All right. So this week's trivia is multiple choice. Ooh. Uh, and it is all about fruit trees and their wood. Ooh, all right. right. So who would like to go first? I'll take it. I'll go first. Or Colton, or you go first. Well, let's start with Ross. Uh, either way, yeah, you he's got the it. one bringing being in whiskey to workbench cons. So, <laughs> yeah, all right, you, you've earned it, brother. <laughs> some of Dude, these I, are. I'm kind so of excited vague. about that, by the way. Some of these are kind of vague. Some of these you guys are definitely going to know, um, but some of this stuff I had no idea. So I okay. think you'll think it's kind of fun. All right, question number one, uh, Rastafarian. Which fruit tree's wood is known for its beautiful purple color when freshly cut? Is it cherry, apple, plum, or pear? Plum. That is correct. Plum wood is distinct for its deep Ah. color when it's freshly cut, which evenly darkens to a rich brown. It's highly valued for its color and grain and fiber working. Very good. That sounds fun. Yeah, I love plums. Yeah, I think I, I was on, I was a good plum. I was leaning towards cherry. I was like freshly cut. Like I figured plum would be the, um, oh, what do you call it? The uh, a red herring. 
Yeah. Oh. All right. Yeah, I mean, it kind of sounds like it, right? Plum purple. All right. So, question number two for well Colt. The bolt, which wood is often used for its shock-absorbing properties in tool handles? Ooh. Is it hickory? Maple, yeah, that's it. Oak or walnut? Mem- the, do you remember when I correct. talked about going to that Renaissance Festival and the the guys were making the swords for like, uh, I guess, yeah, fighting? I, I was going to say play fighting, that sounds kind of... Uh, yeah. so, there they we were go. swashbuckling. Swashbuckling. Um, yes. Are. You know, what? I think I learn a new word from you every every episode, Ross. I right, just you as well. Hickory. But, yeah. Hickory the, is um, also used to baseball bats, right? No, that's ash. Uh, uh, that's yeah. Ash. So, uh, so strangely enough, I was at the Louisville Slugger Factory last summer, and I asked them if they mm-hmm. had any issues sourcing ash wood to be able to then make obviously bats because of the Asian ash borer beetle and some of the shortages, and they said. Normally, that would be an issue, but almost 100% of the players in Major League Baseball use maple and not oh. ash. So nice. Right. Very good. And like so that. just in case you're wondering, there is such a thing as hickory nuts. So they're a hard-chilled nut. That's what hickory trees produce. Okay. Hmm. All right. Next question is for Rastafarian again. What is a unique feature of pear wood when used in woodworking is it a high water resistance b fine even texture c natural insect repellent qualities or d extreme hardness i'm gonna go with b fine even texture that is correct pear wood is prized for its fine even texture making it for carving and inlay work all right question number four for colt the bolt which wood is traditionally used in japan for making intricate joinery and fine furniture. Oh, is I... it cherry? Kiyaki? Also known as Japanese Kelzelkova, bamboo, or cedar? Uh, kiyaki. <laughs> <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> kiyaki or Japanese Zelkova is used. It's strength, beautiful grain, perfect for joinery and furniture. Are you okay, sure it's question not number cedar, five though? for Ross. <laughs> Are you sure it's not well, it could be. It could have been bamboo, you racist. All right. Apple wood is particularly <laughs> sought after for what quality in woodworking? Also, an easy one flexibility, waterproof nature, fine grain, or it is lightweight. Hmm. I'm going to say wood was again? Applewood. Apple so Apple I always wood. think of Applewood as a fantastic wood for smoking meats. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I'm going to say lightweight. No, it is fine grain again. Fine grain. Applewood is a fine grain. Okay. Uh, question number six. Colton. Which fruit tree is known for its extreme hardness and is used in high-end flooring and furniture? We've talked Ooh. about this on a previous trivia right, pressure's on episode. Peach, olive, cherry, or apple? Olive? That is correct. Olive wood is extremely hard and durable. I will say, though, when you work with olive wood, it does leave an oil residue on all your tools when you cut into it. Um, and when you're cutting, normally you get dry sawdust. 
olive wood retains its natural oils so much more and it puts off like almost like when you wet down some sawdust Cake. and it, it gums up your machines quite quickly. When did you ever use olive wood? So Woodcraft near me uh, had olive wood as just random chunks. And so I actually used it to make some um, trivets and coasters. So nice. uh, what's it? Did you find that it was really hard? Uh, yeah, it's fairly hard wood. I mean, fairly dense, but fairly light for what it is. Oh, I know it wasn't. Um, it wasn't coasters. It was actually soap dishes because I was able to oh. cut through with a dado on both sides so it could drain. Um, and it was perfect for that because it had the natural oil for the water right, resistance. Right, right, right. right. That when you're describing it, okay. I was like, oh, I've heard this before, but um, so it sounds very similar to Ipe, but uh, minus the, yes. the weight, like the density. Yes, yeah. very much Which, so. Which, uh, side note, right. I still have those uh, those uh, Ipe blanks you sent me, and yes. I, got, I got some ideas for them. So. Nice. All right, yeah. question number seven. For me. Uh, Ross, what characteristic makes cherry wood particularly desirable for furniture making? Is it... Totally bland and blah? Uh, natural insect repelling properties. Rich <laughs> color that deepens over time. Lightweight or high elasticity. It is the rich color that deepens over time. <laughs> That's correct. That is Ross, correct. It does so, get darker over time. It's so like, boring. I, it's so boring dude. to work with. There is literally no it, grain. It's just there. It okay, is. Okay. It's like I, I get it's what like you're saying with that. Like there, there is some space between the grain. Like it, but um, I mean, I have some that it looks like a, a lighter walnut. Like uh, yes, if it's, it's super like some, super like, old cherry. Stuff, but. Yeah, okay. if it's super okay. old cherry, it's great. But if you get stuff that's like if you fresh cut a piece of cherry, it's just there. There is yeah, zero, absolutely zero character to it. Actually, I, 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 I'll tell you, I really have, feel, I, you know what? I, I get what you're saying now. <laughs> I do have, so you know, I use cherry a lot for like my, like, yes, bang it's them great out for cutting kind of boards. charcuterie boards. And um, mm -hmm. it's great because it's, uh, one of the most affordable woods I can get that's not white, right? Yeah, and like it, yeah, it. Okay, I, mm -hmm. I do enjoy it for that. Which I, I, yeah. So you, those few times I have had figured cherry, it was an older tree. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, Colton's question. Colton's question. Which. Which wood is commonly used? Oh no! Uh, I don't know. Just like he's ready to get over with. Which wood is commonly used for Me? guitar making due due to its tonal qualities? Ooh, I know this one. Is it pine, maple, mahogany, or birch? I wasn't expecting any of those. You said um, pine. They make drums out of maple. I know that. They do. A lot of guitar Pine, necks out of maple. Maple, mahogany, and birch. Uh, process elimination. I'm going to go with birch. That is 
incorrect. No. What is it? It is. It is mahogany. Mahogany. It is mahogany. It's favorite guitar for its warm. Yes, warm it tonal is. Tonal qualities oh. and resonance. Yes. There are more guitars bodies anyway made out of mahogany than any other species oh. of wood. Yeah, maple. Um, like the best drums are made have have maple uh, shells. I so. actually got a new. So mahogany. I got a uh, gift card. To Stan- I I got a Sweetwater gift card for Christmas, and they had a B stock sale, and I got a Mapex maple snare, and it sounds incredible. Yeah, baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love a wood snare. Okay, Man. how deep is it? Uh, six and a half by fourteen. Six, six and a half. Good. I say, it's a, well, it's it, a throaty one. On the mahogany, it, it kind of now that I think about it, it makes sense, right? Because mahogany, I feel like, is very consistent, and it's like grain, yes. right? Like it's like consistent. It, it's tight grained. It's it resonates extremely well. It's not thick. the best. It's not the best for a neck because it is fairly porous. So a lot of times they make the neck out of maple or some other hardwood. But the mahogany tends to have a lot deeper pores, and the amount of acrylic and stuff you need to put on the back so that your hand doesn't or doesn't soak up all the oils in your hand while you're playing is pretty aggressive. It's a lot easier cool. to coat up some maple. All right, yeah. very good. Uh, question number nine. Yep. Ross, what is notable feature of fig tree wood in woodworking? Is it high oil content? Distinctive spalted patterns, natural green tint, or extreme softness? I'm going to go extreme softness. That is incorrect. Wait, I, I was going to say spalted. We grew up with a. My grandpa had it a big actually fig tree distinctive out front. spalted. Yeah, they're spalted like short and squatty, patterns. right? Like that's why I was going to guess spalted because it's a they're like a squatty tree and it like goes wide. And um, hmm. spalted is like yeah. the, the it gets that fungus, right? That yep. black. There's black a fungus among us. Fungus among us. Uh, All right. Last question. Which fruit tree is often used? Uh, and this should be for Ross uh, for smoking <laughs> food due to its aromatic properties. Is it apple, cherry, olive or pear? We just talked about apple, right? Yeah, I mean, is it apple? Mm-hmm. That is correct. Yeah. Apple wood is used in <laughs> a sweet, mild flavor. All right, that is the trivia. I'm Fantastic, done. thank you, sir. Yeah. You hey, also speaking of smoking, uh, do y'all uh, y- y'all ever smoke smoke meats? Uh, y'all have a y'all team pellet oh, grill yes. or wood fire? You team pellet grill? Oh no, no. Uh, so I actually have an electric smoker with an offset, uh, smoking chamber. Very nice. You ever done any cheeses yeah. in there? Uh, I have I not done cheeses. cheeses. My cousin actually smokes a lot of cheeses. You got to keep it below 120 degrees. Interesting. I've never heard of below that. 120 or mm-hmm. it just turns into queso. Correct. It's a smoke queso. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good. All right. Well, hey, that that was fun. Thank you, Jess. I appreciate that. That that was fun. Uh, I, I like the fruited ones. Yeah. Yeah. Darkwood next week. That's what he said. <laughs> we'll, do, we'll do Darkwood for Daylight Savings Day. How about that? There you go. There you go. <laughs> okay. So with that in mind, uh, I think it's time to start drinking heavily. So 
Uh, Colton, <laughs> are you ready to get into the whiskey of the week? Oh boy! Oh yeah! You bet. Really? That's that's the best you got. Usually, you give me some sort of fun, you know, some some kind of fun thing, and all you give me is oh boy, oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> Put me on the spot. All right. Um, oh, what do you yell at the at the rodeo? Yeehaw. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> um, like oh, uh, well, our, our motto with our rodeo committee is work hard, play hard. But Showtime! We're just going to get to this. The whiskey of the week. So the whiskey of the week for last week was actually the green spot, which comes from the Middleton Distillery in the County Cork of Ireland. So, mm-hmm. Colton, were you able to procure it? And did a dandy. No, I was not able to procure it with uh, with me being on the road today. Um, only uh, the liquor store we were able to stop at before we recorded. I did not. It did not have green spot. But um, to stay with the tune, I did get uh, Bushmills, just their uh, their base Irish whiskey. Which okay, I, I guess I forgot. I, I think you're you're saying we have we have done, done the Bushmills Bush Black. Yes, we did Bushmills Black, which is a little bit higher tier, higher charring level of the whiskey. But mm-hmm. we have not done the base level. And uh, Bushmills, yeah. for those who don't know, is the only distillery in Northern Ireland, or the major distillery in Northern Ireland, and traditionally. This was the one that the uh, Protestants all drank, whereas the Catholics all drank Jameson and Patties and Powers. So, uh, do, do you think that maybe played a hand in Jameson being more popular? Like, like, a, like uh, so it that definitely played a part because a lot of if you look at the geography of Ireland, the majority of it is Catholic. And that is the the growth where most people were moving around the world, and therefore they brought with them what they knew how to drink already, and so that probably helped with the growth of Jameson. Yes, ah, uh, that makes sense. But, but we're uh, talking about Bush Mills, so yeah, did Bush it, Mills. Oh, dude, it was really good. I really enjoyed it. Um, I'd say it's a dandy. It's a yes on the dandy. So okay, it, like. Oh, right off the bat, which I think I would probably describe all Irish whiskeys like this, but it kind of had that earthy tone to it, like what I was calling like dirty before, but not in a bad way. And uh, it it's really light. Some might call it musty. Musty. That, yeah, I think that describes it pretty well. Like uh, it, it's not bad. It, it's it's to personify. It's kind of like a, a walk on the beach, man. It's. It's just easy. Like you almost forget that you're moving. You're just walking and uh goes down like it'd be great in a flask. Uh, I'm sure like if, if you want a cocktail that's not boozy, like it would blend in well. Um if you just want to sneak a shot, man, it, it's a good it, it it's a nice, easy whiskey all around. I was surprised. And for the cocktail, I I didn't have, I don't have any cocktail stuff here. I wasn't going to mix it with Coke or anything. So <laughs> it, um, I, I didn't get the experiment with a Irish cocktail. Do you, 
Do you know any? So being the time of year, yes, there are quite a few Irish cocktails you can do. But being that it is the time of year where people want something a little warmer, I am actually Mm -hmm. going to recommend uh, when you do make a cocktail with this, you do an Irish coffee. Irish coffee. All right. Yeah. Oh, you're saying warmer, like physically warmer, not just like uh, the whiskey warmer. Yeah. Correct. Oh, the, uh, so you physically, you're it's it's an Irish coffee. You get the cream on top. You're putting the whiskey in at the base. It warms you up on the cold times of year. Um, it's perfect remedy if you're you're feeling ill, and not like a rapper, but like, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, uh, do you know what? I will try that, and I'll get back to you on that. Dude. Uh, well, I'll report Excellent. on it next week. That'd be great. Okay. So speaking of next week. The whiskey of the week going into next week is the Jefferson's Ocean. Now, Jefferson's is a bourbon. It is from uh, the Bourbon Trail areas. Technically, I believe it's uh, Franklin, Kentucky, uh, which is not far from uh, Lexington. However, Jefferson's Ocean is a slightly different feel. The initial series, they took barrels of bourbon and they put them on a vessel that went around the world for about six months. And the idea was, as the boat was traversing in the ocean, and obviously the swaying of the the, the ship uh, on the waves, you got more contact of the wood and more activity inside the wood, or inside the barrel, based on that movement. And when those barrels came oh. back, they obviously had hints of sea salt in them. Um, they have done multiple iterations since then. So... I'm going to give you an option on this, depending on what you can find and or your your preference. You can either do the Jefferson's Ocean, the bourbon, or the rye, which is the newest version of it. <laughs> so. I like that. Well, I know where you're going to go, and it's really you, a you question know of which I'm one can you find. If, but. I'm, uh, if I'm <laughs> getting my freedom with it. But, well, dude, I, I look forward to it. Jefferson's, that sounds familiar, but I can't picture it. Um it is a short, yeah. kind of wider, squatty bottle, fairly narrow, uh, and it's got like Thomas Jefferson's his last name uh, scribed as their logo. Nice. So uh, I look forward yes. to it, man. Can't wait. Um, it awesome. Side note: it's it's interesting how many different like uh, beers and liquors, uh, like alcoholic beverages, are like have their roots from them being transported, right? Like the, the IPA, right? Like the India Pale Ale, mm-hmm. like they had to make it mm-hmm. super strong. So by the time it got over to America's or whatever, it, um, it still had some punch to it. No, to India. Oh, to India. I thought That's it was where from it got India. its name. Oh. It went from England to India. No, oh, England, England India. to okay. India. Thank you. And it had to <laughs> be high sense, enough actually. in alcohol. <laughs> Had to be high enough in alcohol and uh, potent enough that it wouldn't go bad and uh, have mold growing in it. Oh, so thank yeah. you. Uh, I'm glad you yep. cleared me up on that. That's good. Um, but yeah, that, I am that, chock uh, full of useless knowledge, Colton. I oh, think that's useful. Not, it's yeah. not useless. I love this. This is great. <laughs> IPAs. Oh, so, speaking of IPAs, I've been wearing my uh, my. Remember, I talked about the. Um, like the marathon bandanas, like where it's like the yeah. Under Armour material. Um, yeah. So the mullet, I'm still letting it go. I'm trying to see how long it'll go right in the back. 
like the do rags or what you're wearing. Yeah. So Those these things uh, I see in gas stations. No, mm-hmm. no, no, no. It doesn't have a top. It's just like a band, right? But uh, oh, okay. But it's like it. a, it's like a stretchy material. But I, it's not like compressing <laughs> my head down all day with a hat. And uh, yeah, but it keeps the sweat off my eyes, right? And I started putting it like underneath, like in the back, and like you know before it was just like a bandana, like straight around my head. Now I'm putting it like my hair underneath and kind of like a girl would do a headband and it's it's kind of conflicting because it feels a lot better and but i feel like somebody who would have like a way too strong opinion on ipas (laughs) and uh, unsolicited give it to you (laughs) at a bar after doing like goat yoga right (laughs) and um colton i'm gonna challenge you on top of the whiskey of the week I want you to try and find, and maybe it's at a thrift store, but a visor. I feel like oh, I have a, a visor yeah. with your mullet would yeah. actually go pretty well. Oh, it's yeah. not gonna, I, it's not gonna compress the pompadour up top, but yeah. it's gonna allow the the free flowing top and bottom. Dude, you huh. should if you bring a visor, I, I'll bring a patch. We'll iron it on in the room at Workbench Con for sure. Oh, oh, like uh, <laughs> yeah, like a I'll nice look. visor, yeah. You, you so, can do that. I do have a visor. I used to wear it for tailgating here and there. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I like that idea. That is spicy. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll iron it. Ooh. 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 <laughs> yeah, Speaking we, we of spicy, a... mm-hmm. I actually want to know what spicy nuggets you guys have this week. Well, my, I know my spicy nugget. I've already, I've already kind of given it away. But, Is it the Wagner uh, spray gun? Yeah, like the Wagner, and then like that. That uh, if you're going to have to use a water based stain, whether it's trans, semi transparent or solid color, that that pre stain stuff really does work. Like I was very, yeah. very impressed. I have never put on water based clear coat on anything that didn't just feel like sandpaper after the first coat and yeah. it didn't i barely had to sand it just a tiny little bit that's so awesome it really did seal it up and lock that grain down so when i put my stain on and put my clear coat i mean i could you could use it before you put your clear coat on if you really wanted to hmm. and it would keep it from raising the grain on it i mean it was nice. amazing um nice. uh, there was something else though so uh while you're thinking of that, oh. the uh I, I really didn't enjoy using the uh the pre-stain on the boards. I haven't on my last few, but um I did find it would lighten that water-based stain a decent bit. And really? uh, so I would have to do two coats of the stain. But the you know, the problem with water-based stain, uh, especially when I'm doing these birch plywood tops, is that it's uh real easy to overlap. Like mm-hmm. it'll dry too quick and um and so that's yes. why I have the, the yes. extender I could put in the actual hmm. thing. But then that uh, that base coat made it really easy to not well, overlap. The solid color acts, I mean, I mean, just for all intents and purposes, I've put on, you know how I am, Wild West with stains and paints and stuff. Yeah. That yeah. solid color stain is paint. It is paint. It is a can of paint. Now, what's different in it chemically well, so that it leaves maybe more color? I don't know. But like you can't even wipe it off, and it was cold, and I had sealer on it. Like it just, it is nasty. I don't think I'll ever apply it. Well, I will say they tell you to use a microfiber and stuff, which I didn't have, or like a sponge. So maybe I was putting on a little bit too much, you know, hmm. kind of smearing it on there. But 
Um, yeah, well, yeah. I think that... Oh, I do, have, I do have a nugget. For the browns, it may not be as much of a paint. Like, that black one I did, uh, you know, I made a set of black. Is it a solid uh, color stain or is it semi-transparent? Uh, this is the, the water-based general finishes um, black. Like, um, I think okay. it was just called black so or maybe like, like pure black. Um, that one... It, uh, it actually did, you know, so like we had this like resin inlay on top of these boards, right? It actually did cover up the resin to the point where I had to go sand it off and I had to hand paint around the resin, like with a paintbrush with that. And so in that case, yes, it was Mm. like paint, but with, um, right now I'm using the general finishes antique Oak and it rubs right off of the resin and soaks into the birch plywood. Perfect. Yeah, I think those but, like I've used water-based stains that weren't solid color stains and they did just fine. I mean, it worked just fine. You swipe it on, wipe it off just like you do the other stuff. This is the first time I've used that. I do have a nugget. Does anything got? Like paint? Mm-hmm. So something I learned from the other table that when you're figuring this is for maybe somebody that's a little bit more not like a home thing, but like if you're buying rough sawn material, if you are going to make something that's rough sawn and it's over, I would say a good rule of thumb would be six feet, maybe seven feet that you need to buy it. So, so for instance, if I was going to do some things that were short and I needed them to be um, an inch and a quarter thick, I would be safe to use six quarter material, right? After I mm-hmm. face jointed it, planed it, I'm pretty sure I can get it flat in a quarter of an inch. Pretty close. Okay. But if you change the length of that, now you've changed how much you have to take off because it's bowed over a longer distance. So, like, let's say you've got 100-inch boards, right? Your table's 100 inches long or 108 or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Then you better buy two steps up in order hmm. to wind up with an inch and a half thick, you know? So if I want an inch and a half thick, then I would need to buy, uh, you know, at least eight quarter. I would need to buy at least two inch thick material so that I had a half inch of material because think about how long, if you took a board that is nine feet long and you set it on a flat surface, that's been just rough sawn, how much space is underneath that board? It's probably close to a half an inch. Mm -hmm. So the longer it is, the thicker you need to buy your material basically is what I was getting at. Okay. So if you've got to make a nine foot table, then you better buy, and you need it to be an inch and a half thick, then you better buy at least two inch thick material, which usually when you buy eight quarter, it's like two and an eighth, you know, two and a quarter sometimes anyway. But anyway, that's my little tidbit. There's a good, okay. Colton, you have your nugget. Yeah. 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 Mine, it uh, has to do more with, I don't know, trying to control your brain in the shop less about an actual physical process, but I'm not good about doing it regularly, right? Like I'll get into it and I'll get out, but uh, talking about meditating, right? And uh, meditate, it doesn't have to be like some crazy stuff. There are some cool apps I've used before where it's like a guided meditation. You pick whether you want like five, seven, 10 minutes and um, it'll walk you through it and you listen to it. And, but, um, but just sitting in silence, like whenever stuff in your life is just freaking hectic, right? Like, like I can like analysis paralysis can barely see straight. Like 
just going in the shop, like at the end of the night, like right before I go to bed and like sitting down, like on my workbench, um, and not doing anything like, no, there's no music playing, no machines are running. And just like yeah. thinking about like what I'm, what, what the heck am I doing? What's the main goal here? What's priorities? And then, um, and then also trying to think about nothing too. It's, it's weird. It's like a exercise for your brain, right? Like, uh, I know it, hmm. it, it's really hard for me. Like, like, you know, you'll be trying to just think about your breathing and then you'll start thinking about all the stuff you have to do, but then you bring it back. Right. And the more you practice bringing back, the more your brain like learns how to focus. Right. And it's just like a relaxing exercise. And, um, yeah, I've been trying to do that a bit lately and, uh, it helps, man. It helps with, um, overall goals, I guess. And like just trying to be focused. So. And I, it kind of goes hand in hand with my bandana now. (laughs) My head. Yeah. (laughs) I think in all honesty, uh, it was said best in the cha-cha slide of take it back. Now y'all slide to the (laughs) left, slide to the right. Exactly. Crisscross. Now take it back now y'all. Yeah. Oh, actually, you know, what got me back into, uh, meditate was whenever I had that surgery back mid December and, um, Yep. Right after that, I had to like soak in a bathtub for a while. Or like before that, I was trying to soak in Epsom oh, salts because yeah. I heard that would help. And I realized that I hadn't had any quiet time. Like my whole day was stressed, right? And um, mm-hmm. like even when I lay down to go to bed, like I'm stressed about, am I going to wake up in time to get a good start in the day tomorrow? Like should I – Or make your flight. Whatever. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Was, exactly. You're never going to let and, it down. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and like, Alarm. I realized like my, the only time that I had where it was just me to like, I don't know, figure myself out was when I was in the bathtub and I was like, man, I need to get back into meditating. And so it, 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 that nice. kind of kicked me back into it. So just thought of that. Okay. So I have a so, question before we go. Sure. But you go ahead, Ross. What were well, you I was going to. So my nugget was actually going to be uh, it's along the lines of my goal for this year of working smarter and not harder. Um, the slab table that I'm building because of the unevenness of the milling and the tension in the, those slabs, once I glued everything up and had the, the seam, once it became a tabletop, there was a lot of warping and twisting in it. And I was worried about being able to salvage the table. So I tried to work smarter and I got two LVLs that I knew are perfectly straight, perfectly square. And I put How them on they? a table. Uh, they are four by fours. Oh, okay. And they're like four feet long. Um, okay. So uh, I actually put them on a table that I know is completely flat and completely square. And it's my outfeed table. And I put the slabs on top of the LVLs on there. And I, from there clamped everything to the LVLs. Then I cut the slots for what the C channel was going to be on the underside of the table. And when I put the C channel in, because I knew everything had been straightened, it's holding back any of the warping and twisting. So I, I made a, um, a jig to be able to cut more C channel on different tables for a different time took me an extra two minutes to do it. 
but it, it worked out perfectly. And now I have perfectly square uh, C-channel jig uh, that I can throw down onto any table. And when I turned everything over, it is perfectly level, perfectly square, perfectly flat, because I just thought through rather than trying to carve off more stuff, let's put it on a, a reference piece that we know is square. And from there, once you clamp it, it's not going to move. So did you get the C channel, like what from Amazon or something? Uh, it was Etsy, but yeah. So it's got the slots and stuff so it can all move. It's like that stuff that Blacktail yes. uses. I yep. Same move. idea. So it's like I, the greatest, greatest thing. Yeah. So I got that stuff and I screwed it all to the tabletop and there's room for it to move back and forth along the slabs with wise. Cause that's the way obviously wood expands and contracts, right. but um, it gave me enough room to be able to, uh, straighten everything to flatten it. And now all I'm doing is waiting on the base to come and I can attach that and, uh, do the final finish and I'm, I'm set. And it feels super confident about it too. That's yeah, such exactly. That's awesome, Genius. It'll so, make hey, that so wood stay that when way. you're exactly. Yeah. When you're, when you're cutting that, are you using like a down cut bit on your router or it, like, it, it's just uh, like I have a, 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 a like a square straight bit. bit right? And then I, I put a, um, a collar on the, the router and just went around on the, uh, the jig. Gotcha. So, so I, but it's on, on the C channel, you've got like two grooves and then like a little bit higher spot, right? So, uh, if you were to look at it, um, looking straight down on the length of it, it almost looks like a U or a C right. depending on which way you turn it. So the right, side yeah. walls are higher up and then, uh, the center of it is flat and then there are slots cut out where you would screw in okay. to the table. And, uh, yeah, so I did that, and it came out perfect. That's super cool. All right. So I have a question, uh, and I've been meaning to ask you specifically. I mean, maybe you know too, Colton, but I know that you've used this a lot, Ross. So my equipment, all of my metal surfaces are basically nothing will slide on them after I use that red oak. Okay. And I don't know if it was very humid and foggy mm-hmm. and cold. And I'm sure that the wax and stuff is worn off. But do you think it's just from just the wax is worn off and the metal's just starting to get, you know, like a little rusty? Or is it, is, does that red oak sliding it over? Like, the, for instance, the joiner, I had to joint all that stuff like a thousand times. It's, yeah, it's it leaves more like a little the- sappy. No, it's not so much the sappy. The um, it's not like a romance novel. Uh, the the red oak tends to have a little bit more of, I don't want to say like a, a catch to it. Like the the grain has a little bit more texture, and when you yeah. run your hand yeah. across it, it doesn't feel completely smooth. And if you're running your the boards on your joiner, you probably did five to ten passes per board and you were on that joiner for however long, you oh, completely days, yeah. wore off any of the wax that had been oh, there. Oh, so it's like pulling it off because it's abrasive. Okay, yes. I see what you're talking uh-huh. about. Same thing is happening then on the table saw, and I, that's work, that's happened to me quite a bit as well. So two things I would recommend. Number one, first and foremost, when you go into the shop tomorrow, spend 10 minutes, use the dustless sander, but like a three, 300-plus grit, and sand down any of the surfaces where uh, that are the cast iron. Yeah. Sand them down with that. Then come back with the paste wax immediately 
So basically, yeah. if have fingers follow you or you have him sand and, and you follow him, but um, put the wax down immediately and buff it in and let it sit for about an hour, if you can, at least a half hour, and then just kind of wipe off the excess. Off. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that'll work extremely well. If you want to take it up a notch, you can use a ceramic coating like you would for a car. That works yeah. extremely well, but you have to strip it down almost perfectly beforehand and then put the ceramic coating on and let it sit. You can't put for it on like, the wax? Uh, no, because ha- it has to bond with the metal. So um, you basically have to strip it completely down. Let's say Friday afternoon after lunch, you come back and you know you're not going to be cutting anything else for the rest of the day. I would recommend if you know you're not coming back till Monday, spend the afternoon sanding everything down and then put the ceramic coat on and let it sit over the weekend. And when you come back, it'll literally just be like stuff is flying on the, the, the metal. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I know about that. I, I just was worried that maybe like it, I, it was very humid in the shop, like 90% or whatever. Yeah. And like, you know, how like metal gets, it's like almost like your hand sticks to it. Mm-hmm. But, um, we actually have, I bought a kit that goes on your drills and it's a uh, scotch bright pads yeah. progressively like lower scotch bright pads. And I just mm-hmm. put a yeah. little squirt of WD 40 and we go over them and it polishes them up. And then I wipe it all down with like uh, alcohol or acetone and then wax them. And then Perfect. I Perfect. have some so, of that min wax wax. That was, that was, yeah, um, paste wax that anymore. everybody used. Yeah. Yeah. That, no, they don't even make anymore. When that's gone, I think I am going to, they make ceramic coat for table saws now. Yeah. So I, I might, I might try that out. Cool. Well, so okay, for good. the WD 40 though, I, I've been using CLP instead, which, uh, CLP, it, I think it's mostly meant for like a gun lubricant. Right. And, um, okay. like the inner workings of like a rifle. And so, cause I've heard that like, at least for like guns, um, you you should not use WD forty on your guns, which I grew up using WD forty on our guns, because uh, like down the road it can inhibit rusting, or I'm not I'm not using that word right. It can cause rust, uh, is what I heard, hmm. and um, my it, it's kind of well, like that is Carmex. a stripper. I, like you, you got to keep using it once you start using it. The WD forty, and yeah, well WD forty well, will uh, like remove things, right? So yeah, I it's great for rust removal. Okay, that's fair. But yeah, C- CLP. Um, I had a actually the guy who uh, gave me the table saw I'm using right now. Uh, he turned me on to CLP, and um, I, I I like it. But for uh, like my actual saw blades, though, I'll use uh, oh one that's like dry technically. Shoot, I can't remember right now. Yeah, like a dry lubricant or a graphite almost. Yeah, yeah, uh, it, it, yeah. It's not. Yeah, not graphite. Um, another science term like that. <laughs> um, okay. There's a couple. There's yeah. WD forty has a bunch of different stuff. They have a dry lube they use on table yeah. saws and some of that. Oh, nice. But it doesn't last very long, like on no. the top. But it's great for when you clean it and you spray it on all your gears and your trunnion and all that stuff. Yes. You can spray it on there because then the sawdust doesn't stick to it. That's the only thing I've found that really works. On but, a um, quick. Quick follow-up to what Colton said. What do you guys use to clean your saw blades? I don't. You don't? I, uh, I don't think I've I use my credit it. card and I go to Home Depot and get a new one. Like, <laughs> no. Oh. 
So, so I have used uh, certain, there was some the thing that I found a long time ago and I bought it online and I swear to you it was water. It didn't smell, it didn't have anything, and you would spray it on sap and it would just disappear. Mm-hmm. And and it didn't rust your stuff either. Yes. I don't remember what it was, but so there it was are amazing. two things I can recommend. Uh both similar in price, both work extremely well. One of them is simple green which you can get at most big box stores. That is amazing. Yes, it is amazing for stripping off sap and uh, any kind of wood residue. It strips it down perfectly and just leaves everything the way it should be. The other one, if you want to go official, CMT Tools makes an unbelievable uh, blade and bit cleaner that you spray on and you can just brush it with like... same thing. Yeah, it it literally like it's you can watch it just come off and you can uh with a plastic bristle bristle brush follow up and everything comes off within a minute or two and then you just rinse it with water and you're done. It's awesome. I used to do that with it. We had router bits that were all covered in like resin yeah. and stuff because we used a lot of pine and I bought that stuff and I was like, get out of here. Like how yeah. is it? it do- no like, way. Like, it, doesn't sm- it doesn't smell like anything. <laughs> no like how can it be? <laughs> And it doesn't, and it, and you wipe your stuff off and it, it like lubricates it. It doesn't leave mm-hmm. a, um, it's not, there's no water. It doesn't, it helps, it, it helps prevent rust. Yeah. So, CMT tools makes, it makes one that works really, really well. That same so stuff. if you can't yeah. order that, go to Lowe's Home Depot, whatever big box, get some simple green. If you can find the stuff from CMT tools, it's awesome. There is a really good degreaser just while we're on nuggets. There's a degreaser that I found that's the best degreaser, and I've used Simple Green. Mm-hmm. And I've used Simple Green Industrial, and I've used um, Grease Lightning, and I've used Purple Power. I've used all of them, and this one is better than all of them. Okay. And it's cheaper, but it seems like it's hard to find. It's like hit or miss at, at certain stores, and it's called Super 88. It's in a black bottle with white okay. letters, and it looks like some guy makes it in his garage. It's purple when it comes out and it like you can spray it like in your kitchen where like there's been a hundred years of grease and in the caulk and it wipes off on like the doors in your house where there's like brown spots on your tires, on your wheels with brake dust on Mm -hmm. anything. It is really, really amazing stuff. And I don't know what's in it, but it's like sometimes you can find it. Sometimes you can't, but a gallon's 10 bucks. It's really wow. not expensive at all. Okay. All right. You can find it. Super cool. 88. Yeah. I'll check it out. Ross, that's a I would perfectly try, I was going to try that on the saw blade. Oh. Nice. So that's a perfectly timed nugget because remember when we were talking about saw blades, uh, I got that combo blade on my table saw still, and mm-hmm. it's starting to burn and uh, or just not be mm-hmm. near as proficient, which uh, Jess, you did. I remember you telling me um, that – uh, a combo blade will dull quicker. Yes. Right. Does does that ring a bell? Yeah. Like. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's accurate. Okay. Um, and so I don't think it's dull. Like it. It. It looks kind of dirty. I. It. That should be in the New Year cleanup. All right. I can't say New Year anymore. It's almost February. But. But yeah. So I, I will say that's the the really best well surface I've found. To actually house the blades while you're cleaning them, especially table saw blades, if you go to Lowe's or Home Depot or wherever, they sell those buckets that are two, three bucks a piece. 
the lids for those buckets are incredible because it's the exact (laughs) size you need and it costs you like a dollar to get it. You can spray everything on there, wipe it all down. And if you ruin it, it's a dollar. Who cares? So I've got, I've got those, those big 14 inch blades that the one that we cut the plywood with, it's really dirty. It's like really dirty. And, um, just from the blues and stuff. Yeah. I'll have to find something like a Tupperware or something to lay it in. I want to try that super 88 on it, but what I will tell you, Colton, if you want a, mm-hmm. a New Year's resolution for your saw blades so that your blades don't go dull as fast, is if you're going to cut plywood, to be honest, if you're going to rip plywood with the grain, it really doesn't matter what blade you use. It's going to cut clean for the most part. Yep. Pretty pretty clean. But if you're going to cross-cut plywood, get you a high-tooth blade for that, mm-hmm. and then everything else used to general purpose, Right. Unless you want to do some small dados, then you get you a flat grind blade for something for that. But that you can get away with just those two blades, a general purpose one that's like lower in teeth, but not like super low. And then like, like, so what is it? A 10 inch blade. So like maybe something that's like, what's the general purpose blade? 44 teeth. Somewhere around there. 40. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And then like get you something like that. Yeah. And then get you one that's like 80 teeth for doing your cross cuts on plywood. And then if well, you're going to so cut wood, wood. 82 is what I had before. Like, um, sorry, go ahead. Right. But like if you're going to rip a two by four, take all of those off and get you like a 24 tooth ripping yep. blade. Right. And have three blades. It's not going to cost you that much. But if you just make yourself like, all right, I'm going to cut all this stuff now and then switch your blade. I'm going to cut all this stuff now. Your blades will last longer because now you're evening it out over three and you're also mm-hmm. not overusing a fine tooth blade on something you shouldn't be using it on because mm-hmm. it's going to get hot. See, and heat is the killer. It's going to get yeah. hot if you got 80 teeth trying to go through a two by four and your saw's not. I mean, really, you should never use that on a big, thick piece of wood. Correct. If you look on the charts, it'll tell you what you can cut and how thick and what it's recommended for, especially because like a two by four, those blades are thin. Yeah. And it'll start to wane to one side and kind of start to follow the grain. Cause it's, it's, it's creating so much friction and it's also slowing your RPMs down. So now it can't cut mm. through it as fast, which is making it like it's, it's doing a little bit of this number and you can't see it. Mm-hmm. Now, it doesn't really matter too much. It matters though, when you're going to do glue ups, like you're going to go two yep. pieces of inch and a half together and use an 80 tooth blade. It's thin. It's made to have a small kerf and cut fine. Even the general purpose, you, it would be better for you to use something with that it has less resistance when it's cutting through. And usually the 24 teeth blades are a little bit thicker too. So anyway. Yep. Yeah. You know what the problem is, is that I don't want to change my blades, which. <laughs> is it hard? <laughs> no, no, it's not hard. No, it's just He's time lazy. consuming. You and just get used to it. No, it's yeah, wait, not. Which, you get used to it. There's so many other things, you know, like sharpening chisels, right? Like I used to, hate that i was like why would you want me to tool you have to sharpen all the time like oh this is bs but like now yeah, i, I love it true. so i it, it's just a uncomfortable truth that i'm gonna have to start changing out my saw blades on the table saw well mm-hmm. the more you do it the faster you get to you get you a little yeah. set up i mean like, where everything really right it's supposed to like, be it's the big you deal. Just yeah. Out. yeah i i hear you well no, boys right. we are uh, approaching we are approaching an hour and 40 minutes here. Uh, is there anything else we should cover or do you think we save so. the rest for next week? I think we save the rest for next week. 
Uh, oh, the t-shirt really hats for our, for our people. The t-shirts have arrived. The hats are here. Uh, my patches will be here soon. And so we will have a little bit of merch we can give out or sell or whatever we're going to do. Yeah. So if anybody is interested, make sure you obviously follow us on all the socials. Uh, feel free to hit us up on Instagram or that's probably the best one. Hit us up in our DMs on Instagram and uh, we will have merch available. So Jess will be posting pictures of that uh, hopefully soon. And mm-hmm. uh, we will have hats and shirts and we have some stickers. And for those of you who are coming to WorkbenchCon, There'll be all kinds of fun things there. Uh, high fives galore. Hugs go, uh, aplenty. So. Stickers. Stickers. So. Yeah. All righty. Well, boys, it's been a pleasure. Nice. Colton, enjoy yourself in Belize. And to all of our uh, listeners out there, be sure to hit that like and subscribe button wherever you are listening to this podcast. We hope you enjoyed every second of this episode. And if you didn't, please send all your complaints to our traffic jam prone legal representation at Honkin, Yellen and Associates, where their motto is, your life is, when your life is in a crunch, let us put it in park because we're not going anywhere for a while. For Jess, Colton, and Ross, this has been the Beat Around the Bench podcast, and we will catch you all next time. Woo! See ya.